Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This. It's your host, Kat, and for those who typically watch me on video, Sorry, I am not on video today. Something is up with my left eye. Not cute. So you're going to hear my voice. But if you are watching this right now, there will be a video episode coming up right after this. For those that are just listening to this, you're probably like, cool, TMI, don't need to know. (laughs) But what you do need to know is about our next guest, Rena Monet. When I first reached out to Rena, I was drawn to her art, her visionary art. For me that loves psychedelics, when I see visionary art inspired by just mystical experiences, spiritual, otherworldly encounters at times, and just really kind of diving beyond the world that we can typically see, I've always been drawn to that type of art. And so I found Rena and I was like, wow, I can't wait to talk about your process, which we do. But what I came to learn is Rena has also had an incredible story with her life and how she actually got into art. She had a near-death accident on a commercial squid fishing boat in Alaska, where she's from, that left her with a blood clot in the brain, a traumatic brain injury, chronic fibromyalgia, and a near-complete loss of her own identity. She talks about this journey on the podcast, going into what it was like for her, how low it got for her, as you can imagine, what that would be like to completely start losing her memory. She was having to relearn everything. And what was so beautiful, she actually talks about how this, she didn't realize it was a divine reincarnation and put her on the path of where she was supposed to be. Now doing the art that she's doing, feeling very called to help others that have been impacted by a a brain traumatic injury, just like her. We also talk about psychedelics because psychedelics have been a key part of her healing. And it's so beautiful for her to go into the story about why they have been so impactful for her. As we know, there is so much incredible science coming out around what psychedelics can do for a traumatic brain injury. And it's exciting hearing it from someone who has directly experienced the benefits themselves few things before the episode begins. If you're not following me on socials, please do so. At trip on this underscore pod. Again, that's at trip on this underscore pod for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And backslash trip on this pod for Facebook. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to help support me, please rate it, subscribe, send it out to your friends and family. It is all incredibly helpful for me. And with that, Please enjoy this next episode with my guest, Rena Monet. Rena, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I am so excited to speak with you. Your story is, whew, girl, harrowing and inspiring. And I just, I'm so looking forward to other people kind of hearing what your journey has been. And I would say, let's start there. If that works, can we go back to you know, the accident or even maybe before the accident, take us through where you're at today. Well, I was born and raised in a very small fishing village in Southeast Alaska called Petersburg, population 3000. And it's, you know, it's a fishing town. So everybody there is either in the fishing industry or involved in tourism. 
my mom was a commercial fisherman growing up. And then my brother also is a, was a commercial crab fisherman, which is how I kind of found my way into fishing, which is where my accident took place. It took place when I was commercial squid fishing in 2010 off the coast of San Diego. But how I got into fishing, originally I used to live in Hollywood. Actually, I should probably just go back a ways. Yeah, take, um, take us all I'm, the way back. Sorry, I shouldn't even just jumped in. Like, what, tell us about your accident. Tell us about you, Renna. Tell us about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a golden ticket, basically is what I would call it, to get out of Alaska. When I was 17, I won this pageant, uh, Hawaiian Tropic. I went and, you know, represented Alaska. And then I ended up winning uh, Miss Alaska Petite Teen in 2004, which prompted my move to Hollywood to chase a dream in the modeling and acting industry. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely, like, extremely challenging, extremely, like, adventurous. I, I love doing a lot of, I like chasing my dreams and doing things that are pretty extreme. And so I lived in Hollywood for like seven years. I was, I, I got like eight magazine covers, was in Maxim. I uh, did a lot of runway, laundry and swimwear and all kinds of different things. But eventually I got really sick of it. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was serving my higher purpose, my higher good. I wanted to be taken more seriously as a woman. There's so many beautiful people in this city that it was personally for me, being a small town girl, it was really hard for me to be taken seriously. Right. And so I got sick of, yeah, just like the limelight and, you know, the fast pacedness. And I decided uh, to take a job on a squid boat with a good friend of mine who said that I could make about like $40,000 in a month sometimes, depending. In a month? Yeah, depending on if you get a good catch, you can make a lot of money. Damn. Um, and you already yeah. had a background, not not you personally yet, right? But your folks did. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got into it. Also, right. just everybody that I know is a fisherman and a lot of women fish up there. You know, it's a, it's not, it's a pretty normal thing. Right. I mean, what we can do just any job just like a man can, right? Exactly. But, uh, so I, I decided to take that job and I, cause I really wanted to go to art school. I, I like felt that I had a different calling to do something with my art. I, I I'd done a bit of painting before, but I wasn't like really taking it serious. I really just wanted to be like an art teacher and work with kids and stuff and mm-hmm. be more involved in like children's lives and making a difference that way. Yeah on the boat about a month living there on the boat we got into a really bad storm the uh net got caught in the propeller while we accidentally caught 5,000 herring and mind you we're fishing for squid so the only way to get them out of the net was to squish them in the boom block above us so the whole boat was covered in blood (gasps) and as the waves were picking up probably 20 20 to 30 foot swells the net got more stuck in the propeller and you know it was really hard to to keep footing and usually there's like a dinghy boat that pulls the net away from the main boat so that it doesn't get caught in the propeller but that guy that was out on his boat was like obviously having a really hard time I would never want his job like because that's pretty scary it's like a 20 foot dinghy boat where as the main ship that I was on was about like 50 50 feet and I'm on the back left 
with the other deck hand, he circles the cork lines and I'm circling the lead line. And I got stuck doing lead line because the other, one of the other deck hands had a bum leg at the time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's a, it basically you're circling stacks and stacks and stacks of lead that are, that's about like this thick, a couple of miles long of that. So it's extremely, Tire- it's a lot of work. Yeah, I was gonna say and- tiring. I'm like, damn, like oh, sorry, when you say, what exactly are you doing? Like super huge circles. I have to make stacks and stacks of circles so that when the net goes back out, it'll just. Oh, what? you know, you must be so jacked. When it comes on, <laughs> <that time. laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little crazy, but it's a rush. I love I love doing things that are a rush, and especially if I'm getting paid well for it, yeah. kind of lights the fire under my ass. Yeah, so yeah, that'll do I it. Was, yeah, yeah. So I was in it and. It, it was honestly probably one of those nights for me that I, I usually don't pray, but I found myself praying, like, please get me out of this. Like, please let me live through this. I don't know. This is, you know, cause if we couldn't get the net out of the propeller with the waves picking up, it's kind of a bad situation. Eventually the net broke free out of the propeller. But when we went up a wave sideways, the, when the net went up and when we went up sideways, a huge, super big bundle kind of slacked and then dropped and swung and hit me in the right side of my head, right around my ear area, a little behind it, like a sack of potatoes. And I, I saw the bundle the next day and it w- looked like a couple hundred pounds. So it obviously just had nicked me, but it was enough to basically recalibrate my whole, everything that Rena is. That evening I was brought to the hospital and was told that I had a blood clot in my brain, which could kill me instantly. And things just started getting worse. And I had a lot of pride then, so I couldn't admit that it was really happening. I didn't know that I was asking the same question every five minutes. I started getting what I call short timers, short-term memory loss. And then had a, I come to find out I got long-term memory loss also. Wow. When I went to the neurologist, yeah, it was, it was really intense and I didn't really know what was going on until like I realized that I would forget to eat and shower and walk my dog and just have, you know, conversations with people, people's names. Were they, really, did you have friends and family po- pointing out to you also like things like you're asking us the same question? Like, are you, was it also partially, yeah, just the help of others being like, are you okay? Yeah, it was really hard because in the t- at the time I was in a relationship and actually my lover would get really frustrated with me mm. and didn't realize that, you know, that I was like losing my, my memory as the days went by, even worse, worse, it, things just got worse. And I kept trying to live the life that I did because at the time I was still in LA and I was still walking red carpets and, you know, modeling, trying to, but I started having like 10 different types of headaches excruciating pain throughout my whole body. Apparently all the nerves in my brain ripped apart, which were firing to my nerve receptors, which I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Oh my um, God. Through like in the beginning, I was diagnosed with long-term and short-term memory loss, fibromyalgia. The blood clot went away, but it also gave me stroke-like symptoms. Couldn't really work the certain my my face a little bit like certain things I couldn't get my left hand to work sometimes I would like look at it and that's called left spatial neglect from what I recall where you look at your hand and you're like is that can I move it wow (laughs) Uh, so yeah and so 
I ended up having to go under the care of my mother because my relationship didn't end up working out. It, it obviously it takes a personal, it, I needed someone in my life that had a lot of patience Yeah. because what was happening is I was slowly like basically having a divine reincarnation where I had to forget all that I was in order to become who I needed to be is how now I view it. But the road to that was extremely difficult. Yeah. I had to get checked into a traumatic brain injury facility uh, to live as an inpatient. And in the hospital, I wasn't treated well. It, there was a lot of malpractice happening and I witnessed things that should not take place in uh, basically like some brain injury facilities are not like an ins- they're not like state run they just take the money from the insurance companies so basically they kind of milk the system a little bit yeah and a lot of the staff they hire aren't real nurses like they're just needing money to get through and so they don't know how to treat some of the patients very well it was really really challenging for me because one i didn't really wanted, I didn't know how to admit until I had to take a couple tests, right? Like mm-hmm. a guy would hold up a picture. How many of these pictures do you remember? And I would remember three of the five. Right. But I would argue with him like, no, you're fucking wrong. There were only three. Like, wow. No, so there was like, no complete, you didn't have a recollection that you even saw five? No, I have wow. a, there was a big gap for me. Wow. And then my retaining information was also like, I could have a little conversation, but would completely forget all of it within five. I want to say basically my short term was around 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, I would forget a lot of stuff. In, in the, the Center for Neuro Rehabilitation, they put me through cognitive rehabilitation, speech therapy, physical therapy, they had to teach me how to drive, how to learn my peripherals again. I completely forgot how to do math. I forgot what love, hate, how to cook. I forgot like the, the you know, what the seven deadly sins would be. The, the things that as humans we're, we constantly are going through, you know, grief. What does that feel like? What am I experiencing? What is this? I, I had all of these childlike things that I was going through. And I so I was very angry, like yeah. just really, really pissed yeah because I felt like I was in a body that wasn't mine right wow and yeah what and what a journey so far and so I guess where are you now in your healing I mean what has that healing journey looks like and look I, I definitely want to talk about psychedelics as well because I know we've connected on that a little bit that psychedelics have been part of your healing journey but was there was there a part even before the psychedelics when did you start seeing real improvement where you're like, okay, I'm on the up and up, or is this where art comes in? You know, when does the artistic expression kind of move into an angry Rena now experiencing this, like, and I don't blame you. My God, you're learning everything over again. That is very difficult for anyone. And I can, and I think anybody would be in that same position of anger and being like, why did this happen? And it sounds so beautiful that where you've landed and that you've needed this to step into who you are but of course you didn't see that then you know uh sometimes the journey to the self is not the easiest road and so when I was trying to figure out who I was and what I was capable of because I kind of basically forgot what I you know what my purpose was I didn't really know what I was doing with my life after I got out of the hospital I would search myself on Facebook and look at, I would go through every picture and watch every video and and try and remember who this model and this actress was. And I wanted to be her, but I wasn't 
her anymore. And while I was doing that, I found this artist online that was teaching a painting class called How to Paint with Light. And her name is Amanda Sage. She's an amazing painter, beautiful, very inspirational, empowering woman. And I took a class with her in Los Angeles. And oh my goodness, this painting I made, I was blown away that I created it. I didn't know that I had that ability in me or that I could do that. And I haven't stopped since. I haven't put my paintbrush down since. I ended up studying with Amanda in Italy at the Visionary Art Academy that they throw a seminar, like a month seminar. And I brought my mother with me to kind of like help me, like, you know, I'm a baby bird. I, yeah. I want to go do this, but I need my, my mom with me just yeah. to kind of like make sure that I don't get lost in a city in a foreign <laughs> yeah. language. And, and yeah, this, so then I created a bunch of other just amazing paintings that I didn't know that I, I could do. So I decided to make that my goal. I won the lawsuit for the boat and I ended up using that money to basically recreate who I am by going and studying with the best painters I could find, also going to seeing the best doctors I could find. And one of the doctors that I saw was a neurooptometrist and he helps, basically I see things like I'm on a trip. Oh, that's that's not that bad. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's, it was hard for my brain to wrap around it, like right. to make up for what I was seeing. Why was why am I feeling all these energies? Because I also got diagnosed with hyperthesia, which is hypersensitivity to sight, sound, taste, and touch. And so my brain was trying to like make sense of why I was seeing a layer on the floor, or why I could see a, a bug fly by and see the ripples, and you know, like oh, so it you were was seeing, really, like tracers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be. Was was it just, okay, so when you would see it, like, was it in color or was it just like blurred? It kind of, the best way I could describe it and how I described it to that doctor was I feel like I can see the matrix grids, but I'm not, I wasn't even high. Like, I, but I was, my mind was trying to make sense of it. But it was also because my right eye was a little off because all of the nerves ripped apart because I got knocked. So my hearing and my eyesight changed, making everything super hypered. Like what you see as a normal human, I probably will experience it like a little bit differently. So light for me for a while was really, really, really bright. Like I had to go outside uh, in sunglasses all the time. I, I couldn't handle white light, couldn't even be in a doctor's office with fluorescence, like it would give me an instant headache. And so that was really interesting for me. And through the healing process, like when I, you know, baby bird wanted to leave the nest, I decided like, if I don't know who I am, I need to figure that out. So I bought a plane ticket to Costa Rica to go to this festival called Envision Festival. Oh, I've heard oh of my it. God. Oh my God, I heard it's epic. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I definitely recommend doing that one and Burning Man too, of yep, course. Yep. I've been nine times, but the um, the environment and finding mushrooms and, you know, psychedelics. When I was, of course, at that time, I was really hurting and I wasn't doing it spiritually like I am now. I've personally found over the last like five years, ayahuasca has really helped me to step inside myself and to forgive myself for the things that I can't change and to slow down like we were talking about yeah, earlier yeah. and to be, just be gentle on myself and to, you know, accept that life is really hard. And maybe if I don't, you know, basically it helped me like, no, like if, even if I don't remember who I am, this is a really beautiful opportunity for me to really transform and 
you know, be a healer in a different way. And so I love sharing my story for other people that have also had a brain injury because not one brain injury is the same. Yeah. Five billion people in the world suffer from a brain injury. Um, How many? Five billion. With a B? Yeah. Five no, maybe, billion? Maybe it was a million. I, I, I have to look at my notes. I'm pretty sure it was a billion, but it's probably a million because I... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's most of the population. <laughs> <laughs> but even it's probably a million then. But even my, if it, my, but even if it's five million, like that is a giant number of people that are suffering and probably in the same place of frustration and anger yeah. and uh, trying to and, and and you know who knows if they're they've come around and or you, you know found themselves and found this self healing that you know you have and talk about what psychedelics are doing for brain injuries right now. I mean, with Mike Tyson coming out, who I know you've spoken to. Can you just tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I actually, so I had a, an art show or I had some paintings in a couple galleries, the Hive Gallery and another, the Garage Gallery. And I had this painting that's called Ancient Future. And it's a it's about the combo frog and it has some snakes in it and three white light workers because I, I these these three beings always visit me occasionally when I'm doing my spirit spirit quests uh, or vision quests when I'm painting, diving really deep within myself. Mm-hmm. I call them my guardians, but I got to explain this this painting to Mike Tyson and hear about his story and smoke a joint with him. And, Damn. you know, it was really cool to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like feel like I had something, something in common with someone of a really big stature that has transformed himself through his through the toad, uh, DMT toad. And, you know, like with Aya for me, like that was like really, really hard work. Like it's a, it's, yeah. It is hard work. Ayahuasca is. Gotta continue it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it all is. I mean, just like I was saying about the, even the journey, the mushroom journey I went on, I was like, that was hard work, but everything (laughs) that I needed, but coming back to Tyson, so dope. And it's really, it's, it's important. I actually had another a UFC fighter on as well named Ian McCall and also talked about how the UFC is just looking. They're teamed up with John, John Hopkins and they're and they're really seeing serious and seriously incredible potential for people that have been suffering. And so, you know, hopefully that podcast like this and hearing stories like your own that people who have also suffered can maybe seek it out and seek help and see if it's right for them. That doesn't mean just like jump right in, but like do the research and see where it's available and, and there's retreats and centers. And it's just, it's it's beautiful that that there's hope in a lot of ways for, for across the board for psychedelics, but especially now that we're seeing with brain injuries. Yeah, it's a really fascinating thing um, because yeah, it mushrooms definitely help reconnect the receptors and microdosing uh, just a little bit I think is beneficial. Of course, I'm not saying like, go do psychedelics, this will fix you. But it's good to know that there is hope and that there there are stories of, of people making major breakthroughs, major self changes, and learning to love yourself through these things is really what I find really amazing. And the connection to the self, like you were saying, like really connecting really deeply within and yeah, just kind of figuring out like, yeah, what's my mission? What am I doing here? What am I doing? Yeah. Aside from just, you know, waking up and going to work and doing it, which is fine. But like, 
the thing, the, the extra sizzle in life, it tends to be revealing if that's what you are intending. Of course, I've also had lots of fun on psychedelics and it just was fun and like that was it. But with the right intentions, they can, they can be pretty magical. Again, like you said, not a panacea, but really cool. So yeah. let's get a little bit into your art. I'm just, for me personally, would you consider yourself a visionary artist? Yeah, I, I like to, yeah, I would. A yeah. mystical visionary, kind yeah. of like a, yeah. Okay, so do I, but I just didn't, before I, before I just like said that and you're like, I wouldn't say that. Okay, for, for those listening, like how would you actually describe a visionary artist first before we even get into your, your specific work? Um, I would say that art, a visionary art is art that helps transcend the mind into different realms and dreams and personal spiritual experiences that we've all had. And, you know, it's just painting is like painting your vision. So it's visionary. It's brought about because of a personal experience. Got it. Okay, cool. So for those who haven't seen your work, how would you describe your work and what are some of those what are some of the feelings that you're trying to elicit with your work or provoke in thought? Well, so I actually, I have a, a little example here. This is a book oh, cover that I made for the beautiful. book, Ancient Psychedelia, Alien Gods and Mushroom Goddesses. Uh, it's for the author, Josh Bempichat, but I, I like, it's kind of bright, but I try to, I put a lot of vibrations and energy frequencies in my work, hidden meanings. I have, you know, different little spiritual things, animals, Every different painting is a completely different vibe that I'm on. And so I try and switch them up kind of depending what I'm, what mood I'm in. I have one painting I've been working on for a couple of years. It's my breakup painting. <laughs> so <I stay laughs> like I'm still processing it. So it's yeah. taking its time. <laughs> yeah. There's like 20 snakes in it and I have yet to want to paint all the 20 snakes. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> but then I have very happy work. Like, I don't know if you can see this painting. It's kind of a little bright with the with the light on it, but very. Um, it's small, but it looks yeah. beautiful from here with all the colors. Yeah, it's really big. I could. Uh, yeah, bring it over. Want to show you? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, people listening, but if you're watching, you get to see this too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wow, that is so beautiful. All right, for those listening, I'm just gonna I'll take like a little like screenshot of it and I'll put it so that people can see the link. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So this is the ancient psychedelia painting that I showed Mike Tyson. There's three light workers, a hidden dragonfly, a combo frog with marijuana coming out of the frog, and then uh, ayahuasca snakes and mushrooms with the grid system. And then uh, this is Adam's Awakening. I paint live at festivals, which helps really, it like helps me really dive in and, and connect with other artists and the vibe. Mm -hmm. So this was what I created there. And this is uh, Adam in the Garden of Eden wow. with the serpent Lilith coming out of his missing rib with the little egg with the sperm in it, symbolizing the power of man. And his third eye is opening because he's, you know, obviously experiencing the ayahuasca tree with the connection of masculine and feminine, which makes an eclipse so he's surrendering to himself and watering the earth with new growth. And so there's a bunch of little little sprouts and some peyote and some San Pedro just lying around. Yeah, <laughs> just in case he wants to get a little trippier than he can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a beautiful painting and so provocative. So I see Thank that, you. yeah, I see that so you're, you're jumping it. So talk to me a little bit about your artistic process. I know you just mentioned 
you like to put vibrations and energies into your work. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean? Yeah, so I pray each painting is kind of a spiritual experience for me. I'll light some sage and some candles and try and create like a sacred space for myself. And I it kind of depends on if I have like a commission or if I'm just kind of going for something. And if I'm just going for something, I'll put a bunch of acrylic down and practice decalcomania which is like taking different surfaces like saran wrap and creating a super cool background, which oh. kind of creates some, some interesting things. And so then I'll go in with white chalk and see what comes out of it, what animals are coming forward or what the painting wants me to paint. And I'll kind of ask it like, what do you want me to do to you? <laughs> I love it. Bring it forward. And then I'll just go crazy with it. Or I'll put like, you know, something behind the paint and then use a reference which helps me make it look more real to bring it forward. But I do a layering process. Do you, yeah. do you, so it sounds like you've kind of answered it, but do you set out to have like a vision? Like, do you, are some of these uh, based on dreams or like, how do you, how did you get the idea that you just showed, showed us? Like, how does that come about for you? What's that process? That's a great question. Sometimes I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes I'll be painting and I feel like I do kind of go into a trance state with myself. I'll put like Carlos Nakai music on or different types of really spiritual type of music like Desert Dwellers or Ataya is really a great one. So I try and open myself to kind of get out of my way because mm -hmm. before when I was like just getting into painting, I was really in my way and would be like, no, I can't do that. Oh, that's hard. Like I can't do hands. I can't do a bear. Like now I've really learned to just do it and try and just keep pushing it and yeah. surrendering to the process for myself, which has yeah. been really fun because it's been very fruitful with the certain things that have come out. And it's kind of like a meditation for me. You know, I, I haven't felt like painting often uh, in the last couple of months because of uh, lost a family member but using that energy wisely for myself now, because I have a new book cover that I'm starting for a book that's about the healing power of the runes and the tree of life, uh, Idris Hill. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to get more into my pagan roots to feel the energy of it and like really harness what the energy is that this painting needs, what people want, are supposed to feel from it, the audience you know, and take that all into play. That's so beautiful. So it, what's your recommendation for some young artists out there is first and foremost to get out of the way? Like, what would you say to someone who's, yeah, wants to start pushing the pushing their own boundaries and start, you know, putting together? Because some of the visionary paintings are so creative and so just like, like you showed, like, wow, like where, where does that come from? Like, what would you recommend to like a young artist that's coming in? Well, what's amazing is our community is so welcoming and very inspiring. Um, I would recommend like hit up your favorite artists and ask them if they ever teaching a class or what some of their techniques are, or if they have a Patreon. It really is motivating to the painter to you know, you know to to also like feel that someone wants to learn from you and yeah, you know, it, it gives us different opportunities. So. I would recommend doing that because that's kind of how I got into it. I started studying from other people, other friends like Jonathan Solter, Autumn Sky Morrison's amazing, Amanda Sage, of course, Alex Gray. Yeah, just just start, like reach out and, and know that you can do it. Nobody's art is going to be the exact same. Mm -hmm. And what is beautiful about that is your own uniqueness. 
and yes. getting your feelings out and feeling good about the those you know those paintings and have happy painting that yeah. you're working on have a have a dark painting it's okay to feel you know and i think yeah. like covid has really helped like a lot of us to go into our darker sides like deep within ourselves not a, not just our dark side but i think painting in, in you know this isolation could be really very healing because art is really healing and just kind of helps us open different doorways. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking to someone too about just the shadow aspect of us and this, there's a, not only do people, including myself until like recently, I was just very like confronted with kind of like not even realizing part like shadowy parts or like really seeing yourself very clearly and then having an outlet and I'm very fortunate that I have trip on this you know even listening to you it inspires me to want to try and just paint because I think you said something really like really powerful with like the hands like oh I can't do hands but it's like just try like just surrender to it like they don't even have to be good hands the whole point is just doing it like just doing yeah. it anyway. Uh, we're our, or like our biggest self-critic. And like, if you keep practicing it, like suddenly you're gonna have a hand that you might be kind of proud of one day. That goes for everything, of course, too. Yeah, definitely, exactly. And I think believing in yourself and like, you know, the power of manifestation is always working in your favor. It really is. Have you, have you had a second, like a visionary psychedelic state where you're like, whether it was an actual vision or something that came to you during a psychedelic trip that you're like, I want to put that down. Yeah, actually my first time doing Aya, I was in a really, really dark place. I was in a lot of physical pain. I really hated myself. I really hated the body I was in. I was angry with my beauty. I didn't feel accepted. So when I sat with Aya, the basic experience for me was I surrendered and in my trip, I was like levitated and, you know, my feet are, feet are dangling, but I was levitated and all of a sudden all of these axes and knives and needles and all of these things just protruded into me like a, like I was a voodoo doll. <gasps> and I was just like taking it all because that was the pain that I was really feeling from having fibromyalgia. I felt like I was a voodoo doll. Like I was constantly being like punished or sacrificed or oh. something like it was really, really hard mentally for me to wrap my head around. But during that, I like, you know, I was racing all this pain. And then all of a sudden I just was like, nope, this isn't happening. And like made all of it go out and shoot, like shot out all these things, which left holes in me where light started shooting out of. So I realized I had filled myself with light. And at that time I looked out at the ground and all of a sudden all these rainbows are coming in from all these angles and they're coming in and going underneath me. And then they're going up my legs up my body and then I open my mouth and put my mouth back and it reminds me of that matrix scene when the pill swallows you, you swallow yeah, the pill yeah. and you're like ah, blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like heard this music like God or you know the universe spirit just being like you are powerful like you can heal yourself you are love you you drink rainbows for breakfast and that's actually what I named my book drinking rainbows which is basically a whole story of the healing process that I've been on with psychedelics and where I'm from and you know just being open to basically trying anything because I was at such a low place that I was about to take my life just didn't feel like I was you know I was really angry that I didn't die on the boat and 
yeah, drinking rainbows was the most pivotal experience for me that kind of put me on a path of wanting to paint rainbows and be a rainbow worker, you know, light worker. I like rainbow worker. Yeah, I like it. I love that. (laughs) What an, what a, that's one of the most powerful experiences I've heard to, and, and to have the strength of mind to to understand what was happening and then just say this isn't real like this is not happening to me like no like that sudden not from like a, a pushing it doesn't sound like from a place of power not from a place of like i'm i'm scared and this and that but like whatever determination that you had in that moment to be like enough of this and to see that when you do make the choice to, that you can that we can all say it enough enough yep and then to have fucking rainbows coming out of you at some point because you're a rainbow worker, that is epic. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. So I guess from one of my final questions is, look, you've got such an incredible story and obviously you have found art. What are What is your hope for the future, your vision, your mission? You know, I know you're working with students. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, so I, I just won the this pageant as the ambassador. I won Miss USA Petite Ambassador. Congratulations! Um, and I, my platform is bringing awareness to TBI and trauma survivors because what happened to me in the hospital and you know just the whole TBI. Like I feel like people need to know more. It needs to be someone that shares their story for everybody else, and so that's my platform for bringing awareness to the healing powers of the mind knowing that you can do anything, knowing that you are powerful, that you should get out of your way when the time is right and when you're ready. And that that there is hope, you know, like we're all gonna hit rock bottom and we're all, we all have a story and life isn't easy. It wouldn't be life if it was. Yeah. So I've been writing my book to, you know, open, open up that. And then it's already been turned into a screenplay for a major motion picture. So that's getting sent around Hollywood right now. So wow. maybe who wrote it? Or yeah. can you say who wrote it? Did you write the script? He wrote a guy named Rolando Gomez and he's taken what I have written in my book already. And then we've been working together and finally it's finished. And so I'm, I'm nervous because as much as I do want to close the book and say, my past is not my, my now, you know, but now my past is holding space for the future for other people that I know are going to hit rock bottom and want to take their life and want to do drugs in the wrong ways. Really, that's not the answer. Like there are so many other answers and it's believing in yourself and like, you know, just empowering yourself and finding your tribe. And I really want people to know that they're not alone. Wow. Well, they're not going to, and hopefully lots of people listen to this too and hear that message. And like, even with, even with like, uh, brain injuries, even just on, on a smaller level, like sports and things like when you think about like football and things that like probably so many people, elders, a lot of elders fall, a lot of children fall. And a lot of it isn't, isn't, you know, uh, it's, there's so many people have very minor things from a brain injury. And the fact is, is they really only know like one percent of the brain because not one brain injury is the same so they can't go and say hey this is how you should fix yourself right there's a there's not one brain out there that is why mental health and the all the ssris and things i mean it's like 10 percent works for an ssri i just heard that stat i was like what one out of ten it works for 
So it's just, I think the message that you're saying, like the final frontier is us in our healing, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, and going within and empowering ourselves. And I know I'm on my own healing journey as well with my body and for something different. I won't go into it right now, but really trying to, really trying to, yeah, dive into that and help understand like what I am, you know, and not that this body is, I'm like, this is, it's, it's real. And yet like I, you know, believe that we're like beings of light and that I'm like, I can, I can heal myself. Like I can, I just, I'm asking how now, like I used to be like, I can heal myself and like almost like just visualize and force. And now I'm like, no, I'm asking like God and my team, like how, how do I step into knowing I can heal? Not just thinking I can heal. How do I step into knowing that I'm going to be sprinting one day? And so I really think, and I know like, look, Joe Dispenza, I'm sure you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been talking about amazing like things that are just like no doctor no medical science understands levels of healing that is happening through healing through the mind finally i know i know yeah rena it was so lovely to speak with you and hear your story thank you so much for being here i can't wait for people to listen to this to connect with you and of course i'll put some of your art pieces up so just send me some links and then they can check it out Thank you. Yeah, I'm on Instagram and um, at artist underscore Rena underscore Monet. And my name is spelt with a W. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. I'll add. Yeah, I'll put your website. I'll put Sweet. your Instagram handles. I'll put it all girl. I'll put it all. Thanks, babe. Thank it you. It was so good to connect with you. Yes, likewise. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.